for tuning in. Support the show and Exquisite Radio at www.exquisiteinternetradio.com. Justin, thank you so much for joining me for this new episode of Exquisite Conversations. Um, I know I consider you to be like a behind-the-scenes, frontline kind of community leader. I love people like you because y'all are so involved and y'all can y'all do so well with being able to be behind the scenes and then jump in front when need be. <laughs> So um, I wanted to, you know, for those of our people that are listening, tell us about who you are and how's everything going with, like, COVID and all this craziness and whatnot. So. Yeah, uh, most definitely. So um, my name is Justin Hunt. I am a, I guess, native of Charleston, South Carolina, Somerville, South Carolina, um, graduate of Winthrop University and graduate of the Citadel. Um, really didn't get involved in activism until about 2019. Uh, before that, I did um, run a mentorship program called the Builder Brother Foundation that mentored young um, men in high school. Um, around 2019, we got involved in activism right around the George Floyd incident um, and created a collective activist group called Stand as One, which is, I guess, my biggest platform right now. Um, It's just a bunch of kings, queens, allies that stand for justice. And um, recently, I am the um, creator and the moderator of the South Carolina Black Activist Coalition, which is a state collective of black leaders, black community activists, black um, defense groups, black volunteers, just a whole bunch of kings and queens kind of united throughout the state. Okay, cool. So it's kind of like a um, a coalition of just a, a number of black activism groups around the whole state of South Carolina? Correct. Um, there's Columbia, Greenville, Aiken, Myrtle Beach. Um, that particular group is solely black, um, just trying to unite, you know, our resources and stuff like that together um, under black unity. Okay, cool. Awesome. So um, how does, you know, I know you said previously that you used to be involved with a mentoring group, um, but it seems like you've always had some type of tie or some type of love and passion for the community. Uh, where would you say that kind of like started for you, like wanting to be involved, wanting to be able to contribute and give back in some kind of way? Um, right after college, undergrad, actually, um, you know, I went out to school, and, you know, my parents always worked very hard for me and things like that. And, you know, once I graduated, I moved back, and a lot of my friends that I kind of, like, went to high school with and stuff like that, um, I remember I was out with one friend. He was like, yeah, Justin, I always knew he was going to be something, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, you can do the same thing. And I just saw, like, a lot of missed opportunities and um missed amount of support, and um, I was at the Build-A-Bear workshop with my daughter, and she wanted us to create her bear or whatever, 
And I was looking around, and they had, like, you know, firefighter bears, doctor bears, you know, all that other stuff. And I was like, you know, what if we can kind of, you know, create our young men and give them the opportunities just like these bears. We provide them, you know, every kind of opportunity that's available. And that's where the Builder Brother kind of mind frame and platform came from and got that as a 501c3 and we just kind of ran with it and it's still around today so it's doing pretty well okay awesome so that's great to hear when you said build a bear that took me back because it, it made me think of my first time going to the build a bear workshop oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> like i remember there used to be so many more around charleston um you know and i i remember the first time walking in there it was like such an exciting experience so maybe reminisce for a minute <laughs> oh yeah so, so how did you know Working with kids, mentorship, and things like that, so you started the Build a Brother um, organization. So how did you, you know, I know you said George Floyd, that situation was kind of like a catalyst for you into getting into activism, but what's that uh, transition been like from, you know, you do mentorship, you know, you're working with the youth. Um, how do you kind of find balance with that with um, the work and everything that you do with activism? Because I know you're very heavy and involved with that as well and being involved with so many different groups and on such a large scale in the state. I know that can be a lot to deal with. <laughs> yeah. So um, tell, tell us about that and um, about the organization as a whole and what you guys kind of do for one another. Um, so I'm not the president of Builder Brother anymore. I'm actually a co-student that I went to college with at Winthrop had majored in nonprofit work, and they were a dedicated member of the organization. So I'll get into the story on how I ended up starting Stand as One, but when I did, um, we kind of made the vote to allow this queen to take over the organization as far as build a brother. Um, I don't think I was ever meant to be an activist. Um, so when George Floyd happened, um, most people don't know this because a lot of my activist work is in Charleston, but I actually live in Columbia. Um, I just moved around August of 2019, so it was kind of in the mix of things. But I ended up going home to support a protest in March um, in solidarity of you know George Floyd. And it was by one of my friends that I had went to school with and things like that. And um, while I was there, you know, I was just supporting and things like that. I ran into someone from Mount Pleasant that had known Builder Brother. They asked me to help them um, coordinate a march in Mount Pleasant, which we did. Um, the march ended up having, like, it was over the – Ravenel Bridge ended up having like almost like 5,000 people and just kind of like off of the planning and the organizing there. So we kind of got the concept and idea of stand as one to stand together against racism and police brutality and things like that. And um, eventually they elected me leader, but it, we kind of were just pretty much working together from the start. Okay, so it's just something that kind of like, you know, you kind of, I wouldn't say stumbled into, but something that kind of found you in a way. 
um, like the whole activism and being involved with that? I would say stumbled into, but correct. Well, maybe, you know, it all depends on your beliefs, but I think it was meant to happen, but, yeah, I definitely stumbled into it. <laughs> okay, awesome, awesome. So you're still involved with the mentoring group, and you also do um, activism. You know, what I, I really like seeing, you know, as an African-American woman, you know, I like to be able to see, it warms my heart to be able to see men being active in their community and taking part because I know sometimes, I know a lot of the times, like, People are so used to seeing black women at the forefront, you know, us doing mm-hmm. things, us being involved, starting the businesses, starting this. But, you know, it's nice to be able to see, you know, men taking up and, you know, being leaders and doing, um, you know, doing things and being involved in the community. Um, how does it, how do you feel about, you know, the importance of uh, black men, you know, I'll say specifically black men and their importance to, you know, maintaining some kind of presence, being seen, being heard um, in the community. How important do you think that is to, I'll say all communities really, you know, if we can get specific with black or just all in general? Well, um, first thing is, you know, as you stated, you know, black queens are doing amazing and I mean, leadership work and efforts in the community, and that's something that's been around for a long time, and it's definitely appreciated. And um, I think, you know, again, I got involved at the time of George Floyd, and I felt, you know, when you have protests, it's not a lot of black men out there. You know, it's a lot of allies, and then the amount of the allies, you got the black queens, and then at the last, you got the black men. Um, But I felt the need to say, you know, we need someone that resembles George Floyd, that it could be George Floyd, which is a black male, to address these situations and kind of be an advocate for these situations. I think that um, black men are important. Um, and I think that that needs to be educated to every community out there. And you don't necessarily have to be a black leader. Just black men are important in general, whether it comes to defense of the black community, um, support, mutual aid of the black community. And as you said, when younger um, children see black men out there doing things like that, it gives them an example to kind of, understand, okay, well, this is what I need to do, and these are going to be my obligations when I become an adult. So the only way that they can understand that is if they see it. So it's kind of... Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, that visual representation is definitely important, and positive visual representation is good as well, because I think that African-Americans as a whole, and yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm saying this, and you are here. I know you're going to be like, of course... <laughs> But, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, black men are such a misunderstood group. You know, there's so many stereotypes out there, and especially with, you know, the rise of police brutality and all these other things going on. You know, it's nice to be able to um, have examples and leaders in the community to be able to point to to say, see, like, you know, they aren't what you think they are. Like, black men aren't these demons or these animals or these monsters that people tend to, you know, other groups tend to, for some reason, think that we are, you know, they know how to speak well, they know how to talk to each other. I think I might have lost them. Hold on. 
Can you hear me? Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. I apologize. It's okay. I was like, oh, no. I was like, it kicked him out. Yeah, I don't know. It just hung up. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Right. You know, I was just saying um, how wonderful I think it is to be able to have that positive representation of black men because where you guys are, you know, black men and black people in general, of course, I'm sure you know, are such a misunderstood and misrepresented uh, group. Um, especially in Charleston, you know, in South Carolina as a whole, um, with mm-hmm. how, you know, we still have that old old self mentality when it comes to a lot of things. And, you know, I'm sure you've had tons of experience dealing with craziness <laughs> and their foolishness oh, yeah. and things like that, especially being a part of the activism community. Um, how do you feel about dealing with that? Like, is it intimidating for you? Like, does it make you think, like, like, you know, this was a mistake, I shouldn't have done this, you know, I know some people, sometimes they can kind of scare them away, but, you know, when I see you and your presence, and you're one of those people that tends to stand up, and you're like, nope, I'm not going nowhere, <laughs> you know, even on your page, it's like, alternate page, if they decide to, like, put me in Facebook, yeah. you know, or anything like that, so, you know, how do you feel as an activist and, you know, being that positive example of a black man in the community having to deal with, like, the craziness online, the craziness in day-to-day life and, you know, trying to still be that positive representation? I hope that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it does, of course. What was crazy is, so, it was supposed to be an alternate page. However, it's my main page now. Um, I lost my page from college. I had my page since college, and ended up getting banned from Facebook just um, from the racial complaints of the racists, you know. And it was so one-sided. I mean, they were literally reporting small things and trying, literally trying to get my page um, taken down. They would post in their private groups, everyone go report this and that and stuff like that. So that was a sacrifice, nothing that I – think was large, but, you know, college memories and stuff like that. But as far as, like, the the pushback, um, I don't really get offended or feared by it. Um, I'm a firm believer in the ancestors, and I think that, you know, and I'm a Christian, so I believe that, you know, God leads me for a certain reason, so I don't think that, you know, there's anything that they could do that would, like, keep me off track. And, of course, they try and stuff like that. But someone told me a long time ago, when you believe in something so much, like, nothing's going to stop you. And I guess that's, like, where my passion is as far as, like, fighting against racism, fighting against police brutality, and fighting for the black community as a whole. It's just, you know, I'm going to make sure I do what I can, make sure I do the right things, and in the end of the day, everything's going to kind of, like, take care of itself. Okay, awesome. So I I want to ask this question just plainly for you, just because you know you're you're in you're in the fight, you know, when it comes to all of this, and you see. 
so much of this stuff, you know, as soon as it happens. But do you think it's possible to be able to eradicate racism as a whole, you know, as a black woman? I don't I don't think that it's possible. I think there's ways that we can be able to educate people better. But I don't I, I personally don't ever think that racism is something that'll ever really go away. Like how do you feel about that? Correct. I don't think you can eradicate it. Um I just had a conversation with someone. So Dylan Roof and the um, horrible man that murdered the people of Asian color in Atlanta, they were both 21 years old. And at that age, you know, there's no historical ties for you to be racist. That's not an age of segregation when you're 21. That's not an age of slavery when you're 21. So it brings a deeper issue that, this hatred is taught. It's taught to the younger generation, especially for people to go and commit crimes like that. So I don't think it can be eradicated, but what I can think is we can stop these people from thinking it's okay to preach racism in their closed doors and training the children that, you know, that's how life is supposed to be. And if we can make it public enough to where their children can see that that is not the right thing to be, then it will have a greater effect in Charleston. But, you know, I was just shocked, you know, at the age of these kids that did, did you know, crimes like that, and it just showed me, you know, no child is born a racist against any color. No child is born a racist. So... Our job is to, um, one of my colleagues, Bruce, and um, Green Lives Matter in Greenville, Greenville, Black Lives Matter, sorry, he says, you know, my job on this earth is to make racist people uncomfortable. We have to keep pressure on them because it's been a long time of silence when they let little things go by, you know, when little racist acts go by and nothing happens and it's okay and you know, and things like that. So we have to keep the racist culture uncomfortable as possible. And when they, not to get into politics, but when they had Trump as our president, they felt as most comfortable as they ever been. You saw when raving Trump flags and blue lives matter and all lives matter, even though they killed a cop, it's completely contradictory. So the only way to slow down racism is to make them uncomfortable and to keep that constant pressure um, that we won't accept this and it's not okay. I think that's that's very true. I love how you put that. Um, You know, you are, I mentioned this before, you know, I think you're a positive male role model example of black male leadership in the community. Um, What do you say to other uh people in the community, black men specifically, that want to get involved, that want to, uh, you know, be a part of making a difference, what do you say to them, you know, when it comes to how they can be involved, how they can be able to contribute to the fight, and how they can kind of, like, put themselves in a position to be able to help and to make a difference? Like, how would you um, advise someone if they're like, if they come to you and say, hey, like, I want to get more involved, but I don't know where to start. I don't know where to do. You know, I work with people that want to start businesses all the time. And, 
everybody's always they want to start a business but don't know where to <laughs> where to begin. So yeah. what would you say to exactly. someone that wants to be involved in the community and wants to start making a difference but they just don't kind of know where to start? <laughs> so the one thing I put in is like, and I'm very adamant about this is. You don't have to do everything. You just have to do something. So, you know, um, some people look at me. They may look at, like, other leaders and stuff like that. Well, I can't dedicate the time or the effort. We're not asking for that. We're asking you to do something, no matter how big, no matter how small, to push forward for the cause. If you have one day off a week, then you can help that day off. If you got one day off a month, then you can help that day off or do something. Um, as far as getting involved, if they are black, they need to get involved with the South Carolina Black Activist Coalition. We're almost at like 300 members right now. It's a private Facebook group, but it's not me. Like when I made that Facebook group, you know, I initially stated that there would be no leader, and there is no leader, you know. So there's just a bunch of collective people, but there's a bunch of groups. If you want defense, there's literally defense groups. If you are looking for medical, there's medical. If you're looking for victims' advocacy, there's victims' advocacy. Um, If you're looking for employment opportunities, there's employment opportunities there. So that would be the first part to reach out and get into that group and then say, hey, this is what I'm good at. This is what I like to do. Can any can anyone help me? Um, and I guarantee you, someone will respond. And that's really the first step. I, I think the first step of the black community getting involved is over thought. It's not that hard. It's just literally asking and putting yourself out there. And it's just so simple. And yeah, anyway. it's so yeah. funny. I have to laugh when I think about it because people make it seem as if it's so complex. As far as what you can do, it's like, it's just, you just got to talk to people. You just got to make that time and whatnot. And for some people, they make it seem as if it's so much more to it. It's like, no, it's just that simple. <laughs> yeah, it really is, but yeah. <laughs> so how can, how can someone, if someone's listening, um, someone that might have never heard of you before, someone that might know who you are, how can they support you? How can they support the organizations that you're a part of? How can they contribute to the fight um, and to be able to, you know, whether it's financially, time-wise, like, you know, websites, donations, what can we do to be able to support you? So if you search on Facebook, it's Stand as One with one spelled out, SC. That is the activist group that I lead. lead. Um, All our donation links are on there. Um, We also have a Stand as One community group on that same page, which is allies and people of color that have came together to kind of support what we do. Um, Again, if you're a black queen, king or queen, I definitely encourage you to join the Coalition, that's the South Carolina Black Activist Coalition. Um, those are the main two ways to support, um, but people see me. I'm kind of always around. If you ask how you can support, we pretty much get involved. Um, we have a protest coming up on April 2nd, which is huge. Um, I'm not sure if you've been following, but um, two students at Berkeley High School 
reenacted the death of George Floyd. I saw that. I didn't media. realize it was here in Charleston until like maybe about a week ago. I was like, because <laughs> I was so confused as I saw it. Correct. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was here in Charleston, well, Mom's Corner, and it was a young queen that called them out. And um, we've been reaching out to the school district. And Mouse Corner has, or Berkeley County, sorry, has a strong history of just kind of like turning the blind eye. So we're going to be doing a um, March for Black Students March on April 2nd. And that is something new because they're not used to protests. They've had protests where they've had five or ten people, but never 200 people. Now SA one and you know everything else does. So, however, like I guess you know you asked about black men. My biggest fear is like black students should never be fighting alone. And I feel like that's the vibe that I'm getting from these students. Is like we've been battling and battling and battling, and you know there hasn't been any support. Um, I reached out to the NAACP chapter of Mouse Corner. And they haven't even responded. I'm not throwing shade. I'm just saying, you know, they haven't even responded on the situation. And we have to be there for our students and stuff like that. And when you do that, you encourage them because they are oppressed. We can't lie about it. They are oppressed. I was a black student in a predominantly white high school and stuff like that. So that's March 2nd. And then uh, I don't think we have much going on besides May 15th. Um, another thing, and you probably don't see this, a lot of times they try to throw the bad narrative on us because we protest, and that's never true. We do a lot of mutual aid to a lot of community service. Um, May 15th, we have a, that's Mental Health Awareness Month is May, and we have a Mental Health um, Awareness Kickball Game and Fair. We'll have opportunities and information tables from domestic violence to mental health awareness and stuff like that to provide to the community. Um, But that's the stuff that they don't show on the TV, you know, and they don't put in the um, newspapers and things like that. Okay. Awesome. Well, I am always happy to hear about new exciting things going on in the community to be able to bring people together and to create awareness for um, things going on. Um, And you definitely are right because I was a black student that went to a predominantly white college and I understand Mm -hmm. and know how important it is that we need support, you know, when it comes to issues like this and definitely any way that I can support or anyone that's listening, definitely make sure you reach out um, and contribute to this organization in some kind of way. Um, Justin, you have been awesome. Um, I thank you so much for your time and educating us and telling us, you know, what we need to know. So I definitely appreciate you. Um, no problem. And yeah, thank you so much. Um, and this has been another exciting uh, episode of Explicit Conversations. I am going to make sure we put your information um, on the website so people can support you. Um, and thank you again. I just am so grateful. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Support the show and Exquisite Radio at www.exquisiteinternetradio.com.